Glad that you're here today. Isn't this a wonderful place to be? Where the righteous can become wise. Daniel was a wise man. We're going to speak from the book of Daniel today in chapter 12. So take a Bible, turn to chapter 12. We also have it on the screen. And I'm going to continue what I started last week. Last week we went through verse 1 of chapter 12. Today we're going to go through verses 2 and verse 3. Let's um, invite God's Holy Spirit to open His Word to us today. Father in heaven, today we're going to speak about our Lord Jesus Christ by way, by virtue of Michael, by virtue of the resurrection, by virtue of sharing His glory with us so that we can shine. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts for the Lord Jesus Christ, His, His death on the cross so that we will not die in our sins, his resurrection from the dead. We believe, Lord, that he's still our high priest in heaven, but we also know that time is short. Some of us feel we're very close to the time of the end, to the end of the age. When Christ finishes his priestly work, he comes back as king of kings, and Lord of Lords. So Lord, while we still have the opportunity of mercy being extended, of our names being put into the book of life, may we grasp our opportunities. When we receive the eternal life from you, may we be willing to share it with the many around us who are in darkness. Bless um, these few minutes that we have together, Lord, as we cover Daniel 12, 2, and 3. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, last week we saw Michael doing what? What was Michael doing? He was standing up. He's spoken of as a prince. He's spoken of as a chief prince. He's spoken of as standing, hovering over, so to speak, his people. In chapter 10, I believe it is, Michael is spoken a number of times as a deliverer. So he's delivering his people. Do you remember I said it is not, apparently it's not to God's glory that his, his righteous who are living at the end of the age should be martyred as they were in earlier ages very often. We talk of the death or the blood of Christians being like seed, which advances the gospel. But every case has been decided at the time of the end in these verses that we're looking at today. We're either in one of two books. Do you remember we talked about that? You're either in the book of what? Life, or you're in the book of death. There's always two groups. The righteous and the wicked, two books, the book of life, the book of death, two, two rewards, eternal life or eternal death. Nobody's in between. People, I know many people think they are in between. Well, I haven't really decided 
whether I want to follow Jesus Christ or not. Maybe when I'm older. And then, of course, when you talk to elderly people about following Jesus, well, I'm kind of past, uh, young man, I'm kind of past that point. So, one group or the other is what the Bible always speaks about. You're either for me, Jesus said, or what? You are against me. So we, we dealt with this very briefly last week with this time of trouble, how, how God in his wisdom has not chosen to secretly rapture his people away from the crisis that is coming at the end. But in his wisdom, he is allowing them to be refined and purified through troubling, trying circumstances at the end of the age. Of course, the important thing is to know which book we're in. The disciples were once sent out by Jesus to witness, and they came back rejoicing. Do people who witness rejoice? Or in the context of our verses today, they came back shining. And Jesus says, well, all well and good, but the big thing is rejoice that your names are in the books in heaven. That's the most important thing. Because not every time you witness are you going to be rejoicing. There's times when you're going to have to shake the dust off your feet, and it's going to be a different kind of experience. I'm so glad that we have, had, we have uh, church members, some church members here at Anderson Church who have been out into our community door, door to door, just, just cold calls on the, on the doors, but they've got warm receptions, people weeping at the door. Can you imagine having an experience like that? You're just trying to tell people about Jesus, you're just trying to find out what's going on in their lives, and they break down emotionally right there. Could you handle something like that? Perhaps you can get on a whole deeper level uh, when those tears flow and when you touch someone's heart. And did these Anderson members come back rejoicing? Yes, they did. Now, I would be happy when I see the day when you're all shining and rejoicing for Jesus in that way. And when we spend lots and lots of time together where we share our experiences together. Doesn't church become more real when it's like that? It's not about just listening to a sermon. It's not just about having a study in a quarterly. We've got to make this Christian life real for each one of us. And one way to do that is to be living the Christian life experientially and sharing that with other people. Now in our text in Daniel chapter 12, let me give you the page reference. Some of you may need that. It's one of the what's called the minor prophets near the, uh, I think the Jews put him in the wisdom section because Daniel was very much the wise man. You can learn a lot from Daniel. Page 1393 is the page that we're on, 1393. So in the text there in Daniel chapter 12, we're going to be covering verses 2 and 3. And I'm just mentioning Michael, the protection of the people, the fact that he stands or arises in verse 1, the fact that there will be a time of trouble or distress 
but the, the fact that God's people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, doesn't mention which book, but it's obviously the book of life, will be delivered. Okay, now verses two and through. Multitudes who do what? Sleep, interesting way of describing death. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. There's the promise. Some in ever to everlasting life and others to what? Shame and everlasting contempt. If you're looking for a clear text in the Old Testament that clearly, clearly talks about resurrection, this is the one. You'll not find many of them. I could give you every reference in the Old Testament that seems in some way, shape, or form to be talking about a future life. But, but truth is progressive. God has not revealed all of his truth to just one generation. It has progressively unfolded throughout the ages. So, what, so while we basically have the idea in the Old Testament that we're trusting in Yahweh, he will take care of us, that clearly is there. In Daniel, it becomes more clear because of verse 2 that there will actually be a resurrection, a physical resurrection from the dead, some to life and some to eternal contempt. And then, of course, when we get to the New Testament, because of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, we find resurrection all the way through the New Testament. So that is, that is the way that God works. He will often reveal a truth maybe in seed form. You might have it in seed form in the book of Genesis and slowly through the ages it unfolds, unfolds until we come to a fuller understanding of that particular truth. Okay, so like I said last week, which book do you want to be in? The book of life, the book of death. You were pretty clear which book you wanted to be in. So here in verse 2, which resurrection do you want to be in? The one to everlasting life, eternal life, or the one to shame and everlasting contempt? And the same idea comes through. How do you get into the book? How do you receive this resurrection for eternal life? And it's the same answer by trusting in Michael. Many of us believe that Michael is the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus in John chapter 5, take your Bible, keep your finger in Daniel, but go to John chapter 5. You would actually be amazed at how, how uh, often the book of Daniel is quoted in the New Testament, especially in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, John chapter, what chapter did I say? John chapter 5, let's pick it up um, in verse 24. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Now the Bible talks of eternal life um, in different tenses. Here it's present tense. So don't water it down. Give it the strength that we're supposed to give it. The one who believes and trusts in Jesus the one who could be living in gross darkness is the one when somehow the penny drops, spiritually speaking, and that person is put in Christ, that person has everlasting life. 
Now, I know you don't understand it because I got no amens. Has everlasting life. If I would have said will have, maybe I would have got more amens. But hey, we're bringing it into the present, folks. Can you, can you deal with it? Can you handle it? Is it too good to be true? That's one of the problems that people have with good news, that they have with the gospel. It just seems too good to be true. But it is true. And the only, one, the only reason that one gets in there is because one is trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ or believing or having faith. We talked a lot about faith at 9.30 this morning. Faith, trust, confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you get in. Now, once you're in, once you receive this everlasting life, it's going to do something in your life. You're not going to be the same person again. You're going to be a transformed person. I was talking to uh, one of our folks a few days ago, and, and that person said to me, you know, it's just kind of recently in my Christian life that I've really begun to understand what a relationship with Jesus is all about. Praise God for that. The lights are slowly coming on. The blinkers are being taken away. And I guess, I guess God wants every one of us to be fully cognizant of these things, but the reality is that faith is a journey. Faith is something that we progress. Hopefully we progress. Uh, we come into clearer and clearer understanding. So, so here in these verses, has everlasting life. Um, verse 28, do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come out. Doesn't, suggest, doesn't sound like a, a quiet second coming of Jesus, does it? Will come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. So, so when Jesus comes back as King of kings and Lord of lords, the second advent of Jesus Christ, the very name Adventist is talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's right there in our church name. This is a judgment message. It's a judgment event. Judgment in favor of the saints, that is the message or an important message of the book of Daniel. You find that being dealt with in the earlier chapters of Daniel, Daniel chapter 7 and Daniel chapter 8. But you can also see it in story form where God delivers the wise man Daniel from the lions or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, they, hey, if he slays me, so be it. But we're going to trust in him no matter what. And hey, even their clothes did not smell of, of the fire. So we see the deliverance with, with those young men, with Daniel, and at the end of the age, with, uh, right at the end of the age, with God's people here. Okay, so resurrection is a big deal. And the disciples never understood these truths until Christ was resurrected from the dead, until there was a lot of explaining done, a lot of Bible study for 40 days, and then ultimately this tremendous outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now you and I live in the age of the Spirit, right? You and I should be experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. Many of these truths that I'm speaking about today, we should be fam at least familiar with them. 
Maybe we need to renew our understanding of them, but we should be familiar with them. Most Seventh-day Adventists, even if they're they're on an elementary level as far as the Bible knowledge is concerned, know way more than the majority of people in society as far as truth is concerned. So of all people, it is inexcusable for us not to be sharing this truth. Revelation 14, 6 to 12, that message has done its work. That's why Michael can arise because this gospel of the kingdom at this point in time has gone throughout the whole world. Every man, woman, boy, and girl has made their choices for life or for death and therefore Christ can come back as King of kings and Lord of lords. We do not believe that when Jesus comes back, there will be people who have one foot in the cave Remember it says they run to the rocks and the mountains to flee from him and be saying, well, I'm not sure whether I'll choose for him or not. Our choices come now. Now is the day of salvation. Not one of us knows whether we'll be here tomorrow, right? So we choose for Christ while we have breath in our body, while we have the opportunity to do that. And what the verse is saying there in in Daniel, but much more clearly in John, is that we have everlasting life when we trust in Jesus Christ. Now, those of us that have this everlasting life, how should we live? Well, I think that's hinted at in verse three. It's a beautiful verse. It's a poetic verse. It's, 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 a, it's an artistic verse. Those who are wise, that's the believer, that's the one that trusts in the words of the prophets, will do what? Shine, shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. How do you like the idea of shining for Jesus? You know, some of us, when we have a good shower and a good bath, we scrub up well. In Matthew chapter 13, Here's another example of how Daniel is used so much. Even the very title, Son of Man, Jesus' famous uh, favor and famous title was taken from the book of Daniel. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 43, Jesus is talking about the parable of the weeds. So that's the context. And he says in verse uh, 41, and the son of man, there, there it is from Daniel, will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all that does evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And here's the verse, then the righteous, not the wicked, but the righteous will do what? Shine like the sun. Is the sun bright? <clears throat> will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has an ear, let him hear. Now the sun is bright. They tell us not to look directly at the sun. It could harm our our eyesight. But you know there are objects in space, stars perhaps in space, that are maybe a hundred million times brighter than the sun. And I read once, don't quote me on this, that there was, I think, a quasar out in space, there was something out in space that emitted more light than all the known stars in the universe. One object. 
So I don't know if we're going to need shades on in God's kingdom. But there's going to be a lot of bright faces there. Do you remember Moses when he climbed the mountain and he was in the presence of God? And unknown to Moses, his face shone. And then when he came down the mountain, the people kind of saw this shiny face getting closer and closer and closer. And then Moses realized there was something unusual happening. And then he would have a veil. When his face was shining like that, he would have a veil to cover his veil. And the writer Paul of 2 Corinthians uh, refers to that in 2 Corinthians. But here, the righteous will shine. So there's a title for the sermon right there. Shining as stars. Shining stars. Um, And Jesus quotes that in Matthew 13, verse 43. Now we could spend a lot of time talking about shining. Reflecting the glory of God. Probably that's what it means. But there's another way that we express our relationship with God. These people who are shining have not been content to be passive in their Christian life. They're doing something. So when God puts life in you, watch out. Something's going to happen. There's going to be sharing going on. There's going to be shining. Yes, we've seen that. But there's also going to be sharing going on. So the verse also says near the end of verse 3, those who lead many to righteousness. You know, one of the problems with the many and the few is that in Jewish circles, especially we can see it in the days of Jesus, and I'm sure it was true for many, many centuries, they pretty much felt that they were the only ones getting the blessing of God. Praise God that we had a study this morning of somebody who is outside of Israel, living, living in Lebanon, this widow of Zarephath, that she comes to a knowledge of the truth. And God is working in her life. Do you believe the Holy Spirit is limited just to the remnant? No. God is working his purposes out in the lives of everybody on planet Earth. And where do you and I fit in? Well, we fit in, of course, when we, when we turn to God and surrender our lives to him. And then we need to have the antenna up every day when you and I wake up and say, Lord, who today needs to know about Jesus? Lord, show me today how you are working in the lives of people. And I doubt very much if what, if what the scripture is really talking about is that you and I should go out 24-7 just talking about Jesus Christ to people. Now, that would be an interesting phenomena. But I don't really think, I don't see that in the life of Jesus. I see Jesus doing a lot of listening I see Jesus tuning in to the ways that God is working in people's lives. A a classic example of that is the woman at the well in John chapter 4. How easy it would have been for Jesus to just come with a two by four and say, hey, I'm the Messiah, shape up or ship out. But does Jesus do that? No, he talks, he listens, he questions. And eventually this woman slowly but surely gets to the point where she really has now met the Messiah, not just heard about this one to come, who one day will explain everything to us. So leading many 
to righteousness, not just telling people about God, not just telling people about Jesus Christ, but telling people how to get right. That's what righteousness means. It means that you're in a right relationship with God. You, you get in a right relationship with God by trusting in Jesus Christ as the one who died for your sin. So we have to tell people how to get righteous with God. And if that faith connection happens, God's spirit takes over in their life, and then, whoa, lo and behold, it gets very exciting. They start to live a righteous life. Yeah, it might be a little bit like a little new baby, two steps forward, one back, flat on your face. Often, those of us who have, uh, we have to start somewhere, who are new babes in Christ, will, will uh, have to learn how to walk in Christ. And by the way, those of us that are mature in Christ are to help them. Just like a parent would help the baby, support the weight of the baby. So we are to do that for new believers in Jesus Christ. Don't you like verse three? I could preach 10 sermons on verse three, but that's probably not what I'm gonna do. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteous like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go from here and there to increase knowledge. Now, if you're, if you're an evangelist and you talk about increasing of knowledge, you'll probably talk about technology and uh, the latest uh, iPod or whatever else is going on out there, but that's not what the text is talking about. The text is talking about a knowledge of prophecy, a knowledge of the words in Daniel. These prophecies of the time of the end are sealed up. There isn't a full understanding of them in Daniel's age. However, if we go to the last book of the Bible, to Revelation chapter 22, Let's pick it up in verse seven. And we'll make these our closing verses. Behold, Jesus says, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. That is being wise for Daniel. So, and then in verse uh, 10. Do, um, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book. So we just read in Daniel chapter 12, verse four, to seal up the words of the prophecy of the book. Do not seal them here, because the time is near. Let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. Let him who does right continue to do right. And let him who is holy continue to be holy. Let me ask you an obvious question. Him who does wrong, him who is vile, which book are they in? What is their reward? Eternal death, eternal contempt. Interesting word that is used there in Daniel. And then, and then on the other side of, side of the equation, uh, him who does right, him who is holy, what is the destiny of that person? Well, that's in the book of life. 
and that's the destiny of eternal life. Behold, Jesus says here, it's repeated again, I am coming soon and my reward is with me to give everyone according to what he has done. I'm Alpha and Omega, first and the last, beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have right to the tree of life and go through the gates into the city. Outside, well, that's where the wicked are, the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. And then it goes on to talk of Jesus, the root and the offspring of David, and the bride and morning star. You see how there are many names for Jesus? That's why I, I read those extra verses there. Many, many names for Jesus in the Bible. Many names for God, many names for, for Jesus Christ. So let's not stumble at, the, at this idea of Michael, whether we believe in Michael as Jesus Christ, or whether we believe in Michael as a great angel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the facts are that Michael says there will, he will deliver his people, and that the wise will be in the resurrection of everlasting life. That's the resurrection we wanna be in. There's not a person in this room, man, woman, boy, or girl, who has to be in the wrong book or the wrong resurrection. It doesn't have to be so. But pastor, you don't know how sexually immoral I am, no, but God knows. And you can turn to God today and you can say, Lord, forgive me for my wicked ways. Be specific, tell him specifically what, what he's laying on your heart to confess. I had committed so many sins before I came to Jesus that if I would, would have even, I would still be here today trying to remember them all. But don't be surprised if God brings one specific thing to your memory. He can't bring them all to our memory. It would overwhelm us. It would crush us. But he, in his strange ways of working, he'll often bring one to our memory. And then you make sure that you confess all your known sins to God. Get it out. Have transparency between you and God. Don't try and be something you're not. Just be open, straight, and honest. He knows you through and through. He knows you better than you know yourself. And the scriptures say that if you truly repent of your sins, if you confess your sins to God, he will indeed, he, will not, he is delighted. He's, waited, he's waiting there with bated breath, on tiptoe, so to speak, to forgive us of our sins. It's something he really wants to do. He doesn't want Jesus to die in vain. Jesus died for every man, woman, and child born on planet Earth. Why should any be lost? Nobody needs to be lost. He's not asking us to do penance and to, do, to, to work our way into the kingdom. He's asking us to trust, believe. And when that happens, God dwells within through, via his spirit. And only then can you possibly live a life that is pleasing to him. And that's where the good works come in. And we will be judged according to the fruit that we bear. So if, if, if there genuinely is eternal life, if God has given a person eternal life, there has to be fruit born. Yes, some just have a few grapes, but it's better than no grapes. Some have just a few pomegranates, 
but it's better than none. And some have much fruit. And again, cooperating with God, cooperating with the Holy Spirit, He wants us to bear much fruit to His glory. We're on display, folks, before this universe. So let's make sure that as we leave this building today, that our lives are right with God, not because we're living a perfect life. Far be it from me to give the wrong impression here. But we're just being straight and honest with God and we're telling Him like it is. That's what pleases God. We're getting things straight between Him and us. Letting Him straighten out the crooked places, the dark places, bringing light, shining light into those dark areas of our lives. Well, shut up now, Pastor Mason. Potluck is beckoning. The choir has to practice. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we give you all the praise and the honor of glory. We thank you, Lord, that there is the opportunity of eternal life. Today, we've heard of that mentioned in terms of resurrection and in terms of shining like stars in the universe but also, Lord, in terms of leading many to righteousness. I'm so thankful, Lord, that you you brought a lady to my doorstep to lead me into your church, into further truth. May I be willing, may we be willing as a church family to lead many, many others to the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgive us for our sins, Lord. We're not proud of these things. Wrong thoughts, wrong words, wrong behavior. But Lord, you can straighten things out. You can get us right with you. And we can shine like stars. This is our prayer. Make it it so, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.